Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Good morning, and the Lord be with you, Tulare Community Church, and a happy belated 4th of July. My name is Ryan Hall, and it is an honor and a privilege to be worshiping with you all. My wife Claire and I have felt so welcomed and cared for while we have been here over the past several days, and I want to thank you and the entire TCC community for your hospitality. As TCC continues through this overarching sermon series, The Way, the Truth, and the Life, that is based on Jesus' words in John 14, 6, we are today in the second week of the theme, The Life. What does it mean when Jesus said that he is the life, and what implications does that have for us and for TCC here today? Shane kicked us off last week by looking at the life through the lens of the church. He talked about the fact that our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior is not a private, independent enterprise but is always inherently communal. Our actions, our sin, our good works not only have ramifications on our, own, on, on our own lives, but on the life of the church as well. And today, we are going to continue looking at Jesus' words regarding the life through how the Bureau of Labor Statistics says we spend 24% of our entire lives, including sleep, work. Not only are we going to look at the relationship of the life, as Jesus put it, with work, but also with the 4th of July, the celebration of the signing of the Declaration of Independence acting as our backdrop, we're going to look at the freedom that our work takes on when it is oriented around Jesus. Turn with me now, if you are able, to Psalm 127, as we look at what God is saying to us through Psalm 127 about work, relationship, and fruit as we live a life of freedom in Christ. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guard keeps watch in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them, He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. A song I heard recently draws, Never been one to ask for help. If I need a mountain moved, I'll move it myself. Never been one to ask for help. If I need a mountain moved, I'll move it myself. We are fiercely independent. You get out what you put in kind of people. And on the 4th of July, we relish and celebrate the freedoms to work, to own a business, to provide for our families. 
Freedoms that continue to be protected for us by the brave men and women who serve our country both, both abroad and domestically. And we thank God for their willingness to serve. And because of those freedoms, we have the right to live a life spent working hard. And work is good. The Bible says that work is good. In the book of Genesis, when God is creating the earth, we are told that after God works, he deems what he has done as good. And God created us to work. Now, the flip side of the simple goodness of work, as God intended, is to overwork. Genesis tells us that after God works for six days, creating all that exists, he rests. Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3 say this. They say, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. God made work good, but he also made rest good. And when that balance is disrupted, we no longer lead a life of freedom, but we lead a life of bondage. We are driven by worldly ambitions and by desires of the flesh and not by the simple goodness of work. Psalm 127 in verse 1, the Hebrew word there for labor, it might ring a bell. It is the Hebrew word amal, which means to work severely and with irksomeness. And man, do we work with irksomeness. And we think and are told that if we work hard enough and we reach the goals that lay before us, we will finally achieve that ever-elusive sense of fulfillment and happiness that we're told is just around the corner. In the movie Up in the Air, Ryan Bingham travels the country racking up frequent flyer miles as a professional corporate downsizer. Bingham lives in a suitcase, sleeping in different hotels multiple times a week, and we see that ultimately he is deeply unhappy. He he lacks any long-term friends or any close family relationships, but Bingham is driven by the near-mythical benchmark of traveling 10 million miles in the air, a feat only accomplished by seven other people in the history of this particular airline. He puts up with his terrible job, his lack of a home base, his lack of relationship, because he believes that reaching 10 million miles flown will provide him with the sense of completion, the sense of freedom that he so desperately desires. As you can guess, the movie ends with an announcement over the PA system of Bingham's Bingham's one last flight, announcing that he has finally reached his goal, and the screen fades to black as emptiness settles into Bingham's eyes. Where is your work leading you? 
Is the progress in your life progress for the sake of progress itself? There are predominantly two Greek words in the New Testament that are used to mean life. Bios, which is similar to the word bio, the, and it, which means the, the present state of existence. As our hearts beat and the crops sway in the wind, so we see bios. However, the word for life used by Jesus in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, is not bios, but zoe. Zoe is spiritual life. It goes beyond the biological how are we alive and addresses the why are we alive. Does your work life fall under the present state of existence of bios or is your life of work deeper than just ends meet? Does it have the vitality of Zoe, the spiritual life that we find in Christ? The paradox of buying into the present state of existence, working for ourselves, working alone, or working towards some arbitrary goal in the hopes that it will be the end-all, be-all that will finally set us free, is that working towards worldly goals for worldly ends will leave us ensnared in the darkness of sin. Verse 2 of Psalm 127, it says that, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. And there's a sense of irony here, right? I mean, when we work only for our own gain, work for the small things of the world, work towards the 10 million mile flyer club, believing that we can earn our own freedom, achieve our own happiness, we are left with an emptiness. A, 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 a deep ache that cannot be brushed away. Striving to work our own way to freedom actually leads us away from the very thing we're striving for. Because there's always something more to achieve, harder work to be done, longer hours to be put in. This is not freedom in the life as Jesus intended. This is not Zoe, but this is bondage to the sin of empty promises. Verse 1 of Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And now, the flip side of our cultural narrative about work is that we're told if you're not working hard, you might as well not work at all, right? We can say, Well, man, if all that I do is in vain without God, then why in the world am I doing anything at all? And particularly now, in this cultural climate, amidst a, a quarantine that seems to keep going, anger regarding systemic racism reaching a boiling point, protests, looting, the will to carry on in our work can be hard to find. But listen to what French theologian and lawyer of antiquity, John Calvin, has to say. Calvin said, It is not the will of the Lord 
that we should be like blocks of wood or that we should keep our arms folded without doing anything, but that we should apply to use all the talents and advantages which he has conferred upon us. In other words, Psalm 127 is not saying that it is the will of God for us to sit around while he does everything. God wants us to work. Work is good. Freedom in the life, as Jesus meant it, involves labor. It involves work. In fact, if this quarantine has taught us anything, it's that work is deeply important to who we are as people. Work provides food, work provides shelter, and it can provide a sense of stability. And as we've all been cooped up for weeks and months, we've watched alcohol sales skyrocketing, mental health plummeting, depression, anxiety, addiction, manifesting themselves in ways that the medical community says will have lasting impacts on our culture and society for years to come. And so while we may frame work as an all-or-nothing venture, the Christian faith tells us that there is something deeper, something meaningful and purposeful, a third way to approach work, the way that God intended. Freedom in the life of following Jesus Christ comes in relationship. Relationship with the creator of work itself. Now, the gospel states that human beings were created in right relationship with God. But that in our free will we turned our backs from him, wanting to live alone, wanting to do life alone. And God could have left us in our sin, could have abandoned us to hell, but he demonstrated his love for us when he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us, to take on and live in human flesh and to take our place on the cross. And through our belief in him as Lord and Savior of our lives and of the world, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, our sins are forgiven. We are saved and our relationship with God is restored. And only when our lives are no longer our own but belong to Jesus do we truly live a life of freedom. It is only when we no longer live for ourselves, no longer work for ourselves, but work for God that we are truly free. One of the Reformed Confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, says in question and answer number one, I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. When we know that we are no longer our own, but know that we belong to Jesus Christ. We work not for the sake of the world alone, an ever-changing world that says, work harder, go bigger, buy more, do better. But we work with God, the only true constant in relationship, the God who says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says it best, writing his autobiography, as a young man with most of my life ahead of me. I decided early to give my life to something eternal and absolute, not to these little gods that are here today and gone tomorrow, but to God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we no longer work to serve the little gods that are here today and gone tomorrow, but work to serve the God of the Bible, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, our work is redeemed. And we live in the freedom of the Christian life, the life, as God intended. And as we wrap up, we can find ourselves asking the question, what is the result of this newfound freedom of of work as, as living into the life of following Jesus? What fruit does working with God bear in the world? The answer is found in verses uh, 3 to 5 of Psalm 127 that say this. They say, Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Children. Of course, children, because, of course, children require no work. Psalm 127 tells us that new life is a miraculous result of God's redemptive work in and through us. But we need to only look to Jesus to understand that new life spans beyond biology. The fruit of living a life of work that is done for Jesus and with Jesus is the impact that our work with God has on the world and with those around us, ultimately culminating in our neighbors, co-workers, and family finding new life in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And now you might be thinking to yourself, well, isn't this young whippersnapper naive? That all sounds good and fine, but how in the world do we even begin? How do we begin approaching our work as work to be done for the Lord, work that is done in true freedom? What this young, naive preacher tell you? Begin by simply paying attention. Even if you're working from home or if the tumultuous economy that we find ourselves in has taken work from you, Pay attention. Work does not always mean a paycheck or an office or a title. As we live a life of work that is oriented around the gospel, we work by merely entering into the world. As followers of Christ in whatever capacity God has you in in this moment. Eugene Peterson said, As Christians do the jobs and tasks assigned to them in what the world calls work, we learn to pay attention to and practice what God is doing in love and justice, in helping, in healing, in liberating and cherish and cheering. 
Even as quarantine persists, unemployment stays stagnant and protests rage. In fact, especially as they do, talk to your neighbor. Pay attention to your neighbor. Better yet, listen to your neighbor. Every race, every nationality, every ethnicity is created by God and cared for by God. And during this moment of pain and polarization, listen to the pain, listen to the sorrow, and also never forget to listen to the hope. Pay attention as God redeems your work and you live a life of work that no longer revolves around yourself, but is oriented towards the Lord's good, his redemptive purposes for the world. The long-term impact of listening, of paying attention, of working to form relationships that are rooted in Christ is gospel work and spread seeds of God's love that yield fruit of immeasurable impact. This life of work, this zoe, this freedom is a house that is built by the Lord that is not labored over in vain. And man, oh man, is that house beautiful. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.